Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Halloween is creeping up on us, Matt. It's so close that it feels already over. It almost is, and that's the sad part, because once it's over, it's over. All you have left are those 90% off Milky Way sales. (laughs) So, like, I try to keep focused and remind myself that these are really, like, the big days, and I shouldn't act like it's already over. I should just enjoy it. I'm going overboard to try to savor every moment, but I know that... I was at Bed Bath & Beyond the other day. You yes. go there an awful lot. I, I get my coffee pods there, you know. <laughs> All, right. All right. So Christmas stuff everywhere. That's where you die a little bit. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love Christmas too, but it is completely taking over Halloween. Right. And even in like the bigger chains like Target, it's the same deal. And then you go to like Michael's and like you have to go in their their back room to see anything Halloween at this point. You know, even at Kmart, when they first put Halloween stuff out, it comes out at the same phase when Christmas stuff is out. So you walk down the aisle and there's Christmas trees. Yeah. That, that's like two and a half, three months ago already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like you don't want to be reminded of the fact that these are all kind of bullshit retail holidays. Like, you know that deep down, but you don't want to be hit over the head with it. And when they're already, like, putting the decorations back into storage and just bringing out the next onslaught. Oh, just let it let it have it just one more week. Yeah, let it breathe a little bit. Yes. I'm with you. I love don't get me wrong. I love Christmas just as much as everyone else. But Halloween has this certain mystique to it. Christmas is a bigger holiday. Let's face it. And when they bring all that shit out now, it's kind of like going to a concert and the main act is setting up while the opening act is still playing. Exactly. So like everyone in the crowd's like gravitating to the other side. It's uh it's 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 give me a band name. Van uh, Halen. <laughs> I don't know where I got Van Halen, but yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> but whatever. We still have a couple of weeks left and it's exciting because this is it. This is our time. We you know, we're really savoring it right now so i think coming up there's a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. i'm with you so tonight there's something special we got planned and it's a sequel of sorts right matt it is a sequel so the reason why we we're doing a sequel is because there was so much i want to say controversy but there was so much going on with the last episode that we did of this thing, which I haven't said yet. There was a lot of how could you forget X and how could you forget Y? <laughs> and what the fuck is wrong with you, Z? <laughs> well, all algebra equations aside, mm. because I can't figure them out, we're doing a sequel to our episode about spooky songs. <laughs> 
it's obviously something that gets us all psyched up and it got everyone else real psyched up too because afterward like you said everyone had their own opinion on it and they're like hey you know you didn't say this one you didn't say that one how, oh how could you not say this one well you I, said, you know? <laughs> I think people sort of mistook the so, well not all people some people right. mistook the first show we did as being like our favorite halloween songs right and i'm like come on guys i put obsession from the freddy krueger album on there <laughs> well that, like obviously i mean it's one of my favorite songs but i'm not saying that's one of the best halloween songs of all time right we're not putting it out there like these are the greatest yeah i'm not drew's famous over here i'm just making a list <laughs> that's one song that never got remade on kids bob <laughs> no sadly you're right <laughs> but yeah so these are a selection of songs from our own personal music collection, sort of. Though I will say that the picks I put together for tonight, some of them were based on feedback we got last time. There's only so many times you could hear You Forgot Thriller before you start remembering Thriller. <laughs> it's true, but the thing is, is that literally there's thousands of songs to choose from. So you can't pick every one in one episode. We only have a short amount of time. Right. And I think this episode is very crucial at this point in the month because there are many scary songs that you can listen to all year, but a few of these definitely are October songs. Exactly. It's a great time to be putting together a playlist or something to listen to while, you know, you got trick-or-treaters coming in and things. Not everybody is as obsessive about music and this is the time where they start listening to this stuff, you know, yeah. like I, I listen to it all the time, but some people might say, Hey, you know what? Let's get this together. We'll pull out the old uh, stereo. <laughs> <laughs> is that what they're going to say? Yeah. They'll wheel out the stereo. Yeah. <laughs> we, let's, let's pull this together and they drag out a stereo. I like that. I like that vision. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like as big as a refrigerator. Yeah, of course. Speakers are six feet tall. <laughs> Your family had one of those sets too, right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I used to, like, my parents used to go out. I used to put on, like, the Star Wars soundtrack on CD oh, yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, like... Wait, just... on, oh, on CD? Well, whatever. Oh, yeah, no, it was CD. Yeah, it was still a CD. We had the giant speakers and a CD right. player. Uh, yeah, you were rich. Ours was from the, the vinyl era and the cassette deck era. But I think the speakers were the same, where, like, you put your ear up to them, the whole, your whole face would shake. <laughs> yes. You, like, they could basically eat the audio. Yeah. Oh, what a good feeling. And no, my family wasn't rich. They just spent money poorly. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we got the that big stereo. It was like, that was the family's stereo. And, like, Friday nights, it's like, we all had to decide what we were listening to, you know, because we had to agree. <laughs> Yeah, those stereos and their superfluous amount of buttons couldn't have all possibly done something. Like, I still to this day believe that half of those buttons were cosmetic. Oh, yeah. I mean, but really, let's be honest. Like, I don't, I don't need a graphic equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what that is. <laughs> those stereos were racks where they you had one component basically stacked on top of another. Right. And there would always be that one component that just looked like garbage. Like, this yeah. can't be real. This is a prop. Yeah, exactly. None of these buttons do anything. If you notice, there were 
several levels of one model of a stereo, right? So if you got the lower model, it did have props because <laughs> you didn't buy the most expensive one. So it's like, oh, you don't get the CD player. So it's like a fake. Yeah, it's a, it's a facade of a CD player. <laughs> you go to hit a button and the Sam Goody catalog pops out. <laughs> oh, man. That was a nice aside, but let's get back on the subject. Let's get back on track. Good point. Tonight, we are going to cover spooky songs. Perfect for the Halloween season. Man, I can't wait. I think you should start us off. And here we go with my first pick. Number one. So there it was, Matt, my first pick for our spooky songs number two, Bruce Springsteen with his version of the Monster Mash. I didn't know that this was a real thing until you, you told me you were going to include it. What's interesting is that it was never, ever released officially, but you can find really good versions live on from YouTube. The version I have on my iPod is from a Rochester, New York concert on Halloween night. 2012. And, you know, I picked Bruce not only because I'm from Jersey, but I love Bruce Springsteen. And it's so cool to hear his version because it's totally like a, an old school Bruce style song that you would hear on one of like his really early albums, you know? Yeah. It's, it's got that kind of vibe to it where it's total E Street bombast. He's such a Halloween fan that there's been times when he comes out in concert on the stage in a coffin with like druids escorting him like undertaker style oh wow and it traces back to like 1980 where he would do stuff like this and he'd come out and he'd play uh like the song haunted house he and he would play outer limits theme song you know they're all really kinds, yeah he would do all kinds of different things like that where one time they came out halloween 1992 and he, they played box takata and fugue Oh, yeah, yeah, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah but, but my choice is his version of the Monster Mash, and you can get a really good version. You can check it out on YouTube. And it's so much fun to hear Bruce sing it. It's a little bit different. It's not what you expect from the Monster Mash, but it is a cool version. Well, you are an absolute font on Springsteen trivia, and <laughs> this sounds like a good one, and it's very unusual pick. I, I can't say that I've seen this appear or even mentioned anywhere else. I would love to see the Monster Mash get like a studio recording and an official release. What do you have for us, Matt? Okay, coming on in with my first pick for the Halloween playlist. Can't wait. Number two. So that was Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell in 1984. Oh, great track. Yeah, it's like, to me, it's kind of like Thriller's younger, funnier cousin. And the reason is, is because Michael Jackson sings backup on that. Yeah, I would say that's one of the big reasons. But <laughs> listen, I don't have a lot of like music trivia knowledge. I'm not a big music guy. But is it inaccurate to say that this song exists because of Thriller? I mean, the video is practically like a low-budget Thriller. 
Right. It's got that kind of um, same vibe of that era. So definitely it's uh, it's like a cousin of that song. Yeah. And just like so catchy. Every time that comes on, I kind of stop what I'm doing and just smile and thank God that I'm alive. (laughs) I was always wondering why it wasn't named somebody's washing me. Well, you know, that would have made sense because there are, there are those gratuitous shower shots. Yeah, there's and, and the, the line is like, what? I'm in the shower. I'm afraid to wash my hair. I just watched the video again yeah. to, you know, quote unquote, research for this podcast. Yeah. He's going groinal in those shower <laughs> shots. I just got to point that out. <laughs> Dangerously close to Rockwell pubic hair. <laughs> is he British? Or was he just putting on that accent for the song? Um, well, he might be British, but if he was, I don't think that's a British accent you're hearing. I think that's his, like... Scottish? Goof, goofy, paranoid voice. Oh, okay. When you're scared, you talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me I'm wrong. No. Oh, somebody's watching me. Rockwell, 84. What a great one. Thanks. What else do you got? The next spooky song I have is... Number three. That was the Munsters theme song. Oh, yes. The interesting thing about it is that the theme was nominated for a Grammy Award back in 1965, which I think is really cool because you hear that song. I don't think anyone puts that together in their mind. I don't think you're ever listening to the theme song to the Munsters saying, hey, this was a Grammy Award nominated song. <laughs> you know, I think you might be right about that. I don't think there are many people who hear the Munsters theme and remember that it was nominated for a Grammy 55,000 years ago. <laughs> well, I will tell you that Leopardactyl will win a Grammy Award for the Purple Stuff theme song. Oh, they absolutely should. I mean, yeah. if the Munsters theme could get five Grammys in 1926, then Leopardactyl <laughs> at least deserves one. <laughs> Although to tie this into the modern day, the band Fallout Boy sampled the Munsters theme song for uh, this song that they have out now, and it's about Uma Thurman. To me, it doesn't make sense because I heard the song and I'm like, well, wait a second, wouldn't it have made more sense if they sampled Dick Dale, for, you know, the song that they used in Pulp Fiction? But maybe I'm thinking, all right, maybe that was too expensive, so they got the Munsters theme song. Maybe they're just big fans of the Munsters like you. Yeah, but if they call it Uma Thurman, that makes no sense. They should have called it Lily Munster. Uma's sort of a Marilyn. Yeah, maybe. That's a stretch, but okay. Yeah. Well, I'm reaching. I don't know what else to say about a Munster's theme song when you bring up Uma Thurman and Fallout Boy. <laughs> trying to stick with the conversation as best I can. <laughs> How about your next pick? What do you got for us, man? My next pick is... Number four.
Okay. <laughs> I know this is one of your favorites. That was Big Bad Wolf by oh, Bunny yeah. and the Wolf Sisters in 1985. Yes. Part of the Teen Wolf soundtrack. An absolutely ridiculous song. It sounds like something sung in the climax of a Facts of Life episode where <laughs> Joe and Natalie decide to start a Halloween rock band. <laughs> but that's what I look for in music. Right. It's right up there with Obsession from, yeah. from Fred's Greatest Hits. I mean, the lyrics in this thing are so terrible. Um, here's one example. Don't you think I'm stupid like grandma? You never <laughs> fooled me none. There's been the errant time where I've had my iPod hooked up in the car. My windows are down. I got to tell you, there's been some incidents when I've been at red lights with this song coming out my window. And people are looking at me like I'm a f- goddamn idiot. Well, I mean, if they had any brains in their head, they would know it's from the dance scene in Teen Wolf, which is amazing. And, and Teen, is. you know, Teen Wolf himself is wearing a white suit. He is wearing a white suit. Classic. Wolfing out, you know. <laughs> don't, don't wolf out, man. Don't wolf out. Getting into fights. So oh, awesome. God. The lyrics sound less like song lyrics and more like outtakes from a misfired Greg Valentine promo. <laughs> but it's just so goddamn catchy i don't even i don't even know how to connect those dots well can't you see like greg valentine in that little like you know window box when he's coming to the ring brutus don't you think i'm stupid like grandma <laughs> you can totally see it. Oh yeah. You never fooled me none. So this is post dream team breakup, is that what we're saying? Well, if you're gonna remember Greg, it's gotta be for that stellar angle and that legendary feud, him and Brutus. I think you're just looking for another excuse to shoehorn Brutus the Barber Beefcake into this podcast. And here's his theme. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. All right. No, that actually, the Brutus the Beefcake theme was not one of our picks for tonight. No, it was it was not. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> always happy to include it. Oh, yeah. All right. So what else you got? Let's see what I have next. Uh, here we go. Number five. That was Rob Zombie with House of a Thousand Corpses. And as a lot of people who know me realize that I'm an unapologetic fan of Rob Zombie's music. And first and foremost, his music. Like, I I appreciate his films. But, you know, I'm a fan of White Zombie from back in the day. So anything he does is cool by me. But House of a Thousand Corpses, the, the theme song to the film is a song that even you dug because we were going to a, the flea market one time and I had it on in the car and you're like, man, this sounds pretty awesome, you know? I said that? Yeah, you were into it. Well, I do like the song. It's a good one. I'm just amazed that I thought to remark on it. 
<laughs> he actually did a song also called Halloween, which was on a compilation. But this just has that scary vibe to it. And it makes me think of a film, which not a lot of people are fans of. But I don't know if you ever see House of a Thousand Corpses. It's a good one. Great song. And he obviously has a lot to choose from in terms of macabre music. I mean, I'm not like a big, big zombie fan, but I have a lot of his songs on my playlist. Yeah. Uh, as for his movies, I appreciate his vision, even if I don't personally, I'm not really drawn to it myself. Right. And I think what I like about his films in the same way as his music is that he does everything from like the beginning to the end. He's, he, he wants to have his hand in it. And I think that's really cool. You'll never mistake his films or his music as belonging to anyone else. Exactly. Exactly. And he's got a, he's got 31 coming out and that's, uh, that actually has piqued my interest. Yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah. I mean, it looks, it looks like it's going to be pretty, uh, intense and graphic. Definitely. Definitely. But I, I guess all of his movies are. Yes. What do you have next, Matt? All right. <laughs> well, here you go with my most ridiculous pick of the evening. Number six. That was the Ministry of Darkness theme used yeah. by The Undertaker in 1999. Yes, it's a wrestler's theme song. Can you do an impression of what he says at the beginning of the song? I love that the only lyrics in this song are The Undertaker attempting to do tongue. <laughs> like he's speaking in tongues. Like no one knows. I was like, is he actually speaking, like, Latin or something? Like, what is he saying? No, he's probably, like, telling some stagehand to go get him Pepper, and they just ran, like, a lot of reverb in reverse. <laughs> that actually is a great, a great theme. Even if people don't follow wrestling, they're probably familiar with The Undertaker. It's been around since 1990. He's that one who's, like, a zombie slash wrestler. Yeah. And he's been my favorite from the moment he debuted in 1990. Mm -hmm. Literally, I've been following his career all this time. Mm -hmm. Most of his themes sounded something like this, but this particular one is from the time when he got really evil. Yes. And, like, instead of just trying to wrestle people, he would actually try to kill them. Oh, yeah, there were so many great angles during that whole time. Unbelievable. Yeah, so, like, when you, when you heard this music and you're watching the wrestling show... You know, like you know, the was, wrestling show. The wrestling show. Yeah, <laughs> you got that, uh, I, but, you got that wrestling look, show but, on there. <laughs> when it was coming out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. I was just hoping nobody else would notice. Hey there, Matt. You got the wrestling show on there, huh? Hey, Jay. It's Monday night. Do you want to watch the wrestling show with me? <laughs> Raw. When you're watching Raw on yes. Monday night back in like the late '90s, and you heard that song, it was you knew you were in for like 20 minutes of. Just total dark insanity. Right. Like, he'd come out in that devil cloak with uh, his beard looking like devil horns. Yeah. 
he would literally like slice the wrists of his followers or like hang people on crosses. It yes. was insane. Oh God, when he had Austin on the cross. Oh, oh so good. I know like a lot of fans, a lot of wrestling fans thought it was hokey, and of course it was, but like I always loved that shit. Oh, so like good. I loved it when the wrestling show turned into a horror movie. Yeah, that stuff took it to the next level. It was like you thought it was like some real satanic shit going on. Like to this day, when I listen to this this song, I feel like I could lift a car over my head. Like it gets you so amped. Really, and really there are a few wrestling themes that I would consider appropriate for a Halloween playlist, but this is probably the only one that like just fits in perfectly. You just put it right on, and it, no one will question it. If it, it fits in well with like Kane's theme song as well. Uh, another one I love. Yeah. But you know what I was thinking? It just came to my mind. What he's saying in the beginning of the song, I just realized. He was talking about how he died at Royal Rumble 94 and rose to the rafters. <laughs> yes, with, with Marty Jannetty flying <laughs> to the ceiling, dresses him. <laughs> what else you got? Okay, here's my next one, Matt. Mm. <laughs> Number seven. That was Marilyn Manson with his version of This Is Halloween from Nightmare Revisited, which is an album of music inspired by Nightmare Before Christmas. I love this song. Yeah, this version and this, I mean, the song's fantastic. And no, I love this version. Yeah, this version is so good. And who better to do this song than Marilyn Manson? And the fact that he technically was working for Disney there for a minute because yeah. he, he had this song on, on, a, on a Disney release, which I thought was really cool. But, man, he just knocks this one out of the park. Yeah. It is so perfect. I'm a big fan of Marilyn Manson, but I would say that if I'm going to choose songs from Marilyn Manson to be on, like, a Halloween playlist or a spooky songs playlist, it would either be this or Disposable Teens from Blair Witch 2. Oh, God. You had, to, you had to work it in. <laughs> yes. And by the way, the fact that that song opens Blair Witch 2 is part of what's wrong with that movie. No, actually, it elevates it to that. No, next... it basically says from the from the literal first second of the film, you just got fucked. No, no, absolutely not. When I was in high school, Manson broke, and we were sort of like in the junior-senior class at that point. A lot of us sort of thought he was like candy pop i guess right we just thought anyone who listened to him didn't really know anything now that i look back fuck that he was so good and he's yeah. been so good for so long yeah what i liked about him is that they all originally when they were starting out they played parts uh like the early band they would they were all inspired by uh like serial killers and, like, they would name themselves after, like, Twiggy Ramirez, you know, they were named after, like, models. 
slash serial killers. Yeah. Which I thought was crazy and whacked out. There's an old footage of Do- of uh, Marilyn Manson on Donahue. But this is like years before he got like super big. And uh, he's, sit- he's sitting there with Twiggy Ramirez. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck are these guys? And they played it off like they were 100%. This was it. This is legit. This is who we are, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because you know how he is now and you know where, like, so much of it was theatrics. Yeah. Like, he's way too, he's just kind of like a sophisticated thinker. Yeah. So uh, half that shit was a put on, but it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, he's a smart dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't believe you worked Donahue into the the podcast. Way to go. I've been been hoping we could uh, talk about Donahue a bit on here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what happened to Donahue? He just dropped off the face of the planet. He was last seen in the woods of Burkittsville, Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm looking him up. Okay. I know you don't want this kind of a side, but I need to know. Oh, it's okay. God, you never see this guy anymore. Well. Like, I remember, like, being a kid and, like, he's all you'd see. I didn't even know he was. I thought he died. He's still around, though. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Donahue. Donahue interlude on the Purple Stuff podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We need to get him back. We do. Oh, man. I'm like, I've completely lost focus now. I think I'm like all Donahue now. (laughs) Shit. Uh, Anyway, what do you have for us next, Matt? Okay, here we go. Number eight. That was the theme to Donahue. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll, I'll start over. Number eight. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, dig and they stab a friend. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, dig and they stab a friend. That was Adam's Groove from MC Hammer in 1991. Of course, it was part of the soundtrack to the Adams Family. Probably more be more accurate to say it was the movie's theme song. The thing is, this was a huge song. It's hard to fathom that. A lot of people listening, maybe they weren't around, because this was a long time ago, right? Yeah. Right? So think back a little bit. This song was huge. It's basically a novelty song. And like nowadays... Songs like that rarely make it to the top. When you're talking novelty songs, you're thinking of like Eeny Beeny, was it Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini? That's a novelty song. So this is the same type of song, and it became huge. Wait, 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 wait a second. You're comparing Itsy Bitsy Bikini to the Adams Groove? I'm not saying they're similar in style. I'm just saying they're both novelty songs. I, I guess, like, maybe on, you know, complete opposite sides of the bookshelf, but yeah, okay. But I mean, like, what 
rapper in their in their right mind would be like, hey, you know, okay, take like a serious rapper right now, right? Yeah. Would he be like, hey, I'm going to do a Hotel Transylvania song? Well, this is what was so good about MC Hammer. He never had those pretensions about him. Like, yeah. when you just go out there and you're absolutely mainstream, you can get away with, like, doing a music video with Thing and Wednesday. Think about it if Kanye West did, like, a Hotel Transylvania song. It just would It's not going to happen. It, it, you're right. It's not going to happen. But if it did, everybody would love him. <laughs> love him no that everybody would just say hey you are going to be the president next time yeah yeah exactly <laughs> forget everything i said you're the best yeah totally and the thing with mc hammer later known as just hammer is that when you think about him now you kind of see him as he is now he was like teflon back then yeah as ridiculous as it is to look back at like the things he was wearing and all that shit he was crazy popular I don't know, any I'm just trying to defend Hammer because I feel like Hammer needs defending. I love Hammer. Yeah, don't I'm, hurt I'm, him. I'm coming out with it right now. I'm not going to hurt him, <laughs> and I won't touch it. Ugh, save me from this segment. What's your next pick? My next pick is... Number nine. That was Lost in the Shadows from Lou Graham from the Lost Boys soundtrack. Good pick. Thanks. There was two songs from the soundtrack of the Lost Boys that I like, because I love Cry Little Sister, which is the song that the movie opens with. Right. I mean, they're both great, but Lost in the Shadows, for me, edges it out a little bit because the scene that they use it in is the motorcycle uh, scene where they're like racing the motorcycles on the cliff. Vampire bonding time. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. So everybody's like racing their motorcycles and Michael's on his uh, motorcycle and he doesn't want to go over the cliff. So he kind of just chickens out. That is a great scene. And the video for Lost in the Shadows. Fantastic. I was watching it earlier to, to prepare for this and I'm like, wow, this is the most Jay song I've ever heard. <laughs> and it's specifically because the video looks like it was shot in some Jersey dive bar. <laughs> yeah but it's like like it's at... smoky there's like these hints of neon all they serve is budweiser and <laughs> and you're in it you have a cameo i do i was only five no <laughs> yeah. uh, the singer of the of this is lou graham and he was the lead singer of foreigner who had tons of hits so right right it's kind of that was during his solo period of time yeah i don't know if he necessarily traded up but <laughs> but it's a great song great song great movie one of the best movies oh god freaking love that movie and just this actually just reminded me i have not seen lost boys this season which yeah. is a big mistake big mistake you definitely got to throw that on i will what do you got for us next matt okay uh here's my next pick number 10 i was Don't run away. 
That was Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo in 1984. Phenomenal song. I'd completely forgotten what made this song popular. It was part of the Back to School Back soundtrack. To school. Yeah, they I were in. Completely the... forgot. I know, I know. I just, yeah. I forgot. I know. I've been listening to this song for years as part of my Halloween playlist, and it just yeah. became that. So I completely put out of my mind anything else about it. And now I'm like watching the video. I'm seeing Rodney Dangerfield pop up. I'm like, wow, this is so much cooler than I even realized. Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield in a jacuzzi with all the girls in the bikinis. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is a really good song to get hammered to. Danny Elfman is the lead singer of Oingo Boingo and coincidentally wrote the previous song that I had before, Marilyn Manson, This Is Halloween. He did the whole soundtrack to Nightmare Before Christmas. God, yeah, you're right. He completely yeah. forgot that that was Elfman. I don't know anything about anything, but yeah, holy shit, Elfman yeah. was the guy from Oingo yeah. Boingo. Yeah. yeah, he's responsible. Damn. Yeah, he's responsible for the Beetlejuice soundtrack, the yeah. Batman soundtrack. I mean, he's God, amazing. God, I could have I picked a hundred different themes associated with him for this. Yeah, I mean, that just goes to show like how influential this band was. And Oingo Boingo is also known for Weird Science as well, which often shows up on Halloween compilations, which, you know, that could go either way. But I is- actually considered putting that song on. I think playlist. you made the, you made the right choice though because the beginning of the video you even see it's like Day of the Dead they got like yep. stop motion skeletons yeah for like three seconds and then the rest of it is just them playing against this weird purple screen that is the best part of the video if anybody decides to check out the video their synchronized dance moves in this video are amazing. And Danny Elfman's facial expressions. Yeah, he is way out of control. Like, he looks like he's like, I don't know if he was going for like a mid monster transformation vibe, (laughs) but like every shot, he looks like his face is half contorted into a werewolf. But I love that he's 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 really putting the song over, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And this song just sounds so much different from all other quote unquote Halloween songs. Yeah. It almost feels like it's from some other foreign genre that I can't name. Ska. So it really, yeah. Is it ska? I don't know what it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, it's a little bit of ska. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of like swing dance to it. Right. And it's also just really fun to say oingo boingo. Oingo boingo. Well, it didn't sound like you were having very much fun, but <laughs> what's your next pick? Matt, you're going to love this one. Here we go with my next pick. Number 11. And that was He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask from oh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. From the Friday 13th Part 6 soundtrack. This is one of the ones that we did get a little bit of feedback saying, hey, how did you not pick this song? Like, okay, listen, I'm going to lay this out. Number one, both Matt and I are enormous Friday the 13th fans. Like, I mean, we out of everyone we know, we may be the biggest Friday the 13th fans That's number one. Number two, I am a huge Alice Cooper fan. Obviously, I love this song, but I wanted to throw in his Halloween song, specific to Halloween uh, for that first list. But he's back. The man behind the mask is obviously all about Jason Voorhees. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, Alice keeps it neutral enough to where the song would work even if there's no Jason connection. Exactly, yeah. And this was around the time when Alice was getting into, like, a lot of synth. You know, he had a lot of synthesizers and stuff, which was, like, 80s style. A lot of the rock bands started getting into that, whereas before it was just simple, you know, straight ahead, guitar, bass, drums. Yeah, that's I, would, I will say of all the Alice Cooper songs I've heard, I think this is the most produced like yep. his voice practically sounds like our third chair here, the <laughs> robot. Yeah, cause he's mad. He's the man behind the mask, and he's out of control. Yes. <laughs> Friday Thirteenth Part Six was the one where they decided to go that sort of Elm Street route, where instead of being just flat horror movies, they were more like pop events. I think this song had a lot to do with it being sold that way. Yeah, there was this kind of, like you said, like a pop culture sheen on it, you know, at this point. Mm -hmm. But part six was one of those movies that, like on VHS, or like if it was on cable, like my friends would have it recorded off cable or something, you know? And like we would just watch it over and over every time we were hanging out. Yeah, it was a big fan favorite. It's not one of my favorites from the series, but I respect it for what it did. It basically lengthened Jason's life by like another decade on its mm -hmm. own. Yeah. So thank you, Alice Cooper, for having a big part in that. Exactly. How about you, Matt? What do you have next for us? Number 12. And that was, of course, Thriller by Michael Jackson, made in 1983 and released as a single in 1984. Uh, I feel almost like a heel putting it on here because it's so obvious, but I guess it's only fair. You know, you have to have it. There's a lot of interesting tidbits that I have for Thriller that I, I'd like to bring up. And the first thing is, as you know, I was on a search the past couple of years for those vinyl Japanese toys of Michael Jackson from the video. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen them at your uh, place. Yeah, there's one where he's in his varsity jacket and you could remove his uh, you could remove his uh, head. It's like the werewolf head. And then he's like a zombie underneath. And then there's the, you know, he's got his red leather outfit on. Right. So it's, it's they're really cool. They're a little and they're based off the video, which the video was a huge monumental video. Because oh, it was huge. long, it was directed by John Landis. I'm like trying to think if the video is, I mean, it's at least as famous as the song. It's probably even more famous than the song. Yeah, I would say so. So I'd watch 27 hours of a video countdown of like the top 100 videos just to see Thriller, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I was, I was pretty young back then. And my sister used to force me to watch this thing and I was terrified. It's so like scary. I, well, you watch it now, like you get the novelty of adorable zombies dancing in unison. Yeah. But when I was a kid, there was nothing cute about that. I just like would run out of the room. There's two or three scenes in that video that are still scary to this day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, it was, the effects were like better than movie effects. Yeah. And then they should have been given all the money they poured into it. But. A lot of us, I mean, it had to be the scene for you. You were even younger. Like, this was terrifying. The one scene where you first see Michael Jackson as a zombie, 
that's where they pan up to him like oh god i actually was more afraid of like just a few of the background dancers i have this vague recollection of this bald blue guy yeah he looked like george the animal steel (laughs) you know michael jackson as a zombie i kind of got even as a kid that it was michael jackson as a zombie but these random dudes dancing i didn't know anything about them for all i knew they were just gonna crawl out of the television like samara and just fucking kill me (laughs) yes well for me the scary part was the end when he looks back with the yellow eyes I even referenced that in my Halloween special this year. That's how much I love that part. And when I was a kid, it scarred me so bad that I used to have nightmares. I couldn't sleep because I thought the werewolf used to live at the top of my closet. So (laughs) I remember calling my dad into my room, telling him that the werewolf from Thriller was sleeping at the top of my closet. God, that's uh, kind of insane. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Of all things. Yeah. I have one last piece of thriller trivia. You mentioned those toys earlier. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Graveyard Gang? The Graveyard Gang. Oh, God. Let me uh, me see. So in the 80s, there was like this cheap bootleg toy company. Like, you know, they made the kind of toys you'd find at pharmacies and things like that. You wouldn't find them at Toys R Us. Oh, my God. Yes. So they made a line called the Graveyard Gang, and it actually had the word thriller on the packaging. (laughs) Totally unlicensed, but obviously meant to look like Michael Jackson and the zombies. Yes. Oh, my God. I love these toys. They're, like, so cheap and chintzy, but they glow in the dark, and they just look so spooky. I checked on eBay recently, and they're, like, a fortune now. I would say, like, the only thriller memorabilia I own from when I was a kid are the Viewmasters. Yes. My sister and I shared the Viewmaster set. It was a thriller set, right? And it had the actual slides in there, and I used that very set in the Halloween special this year. Yeah, that set was huge, and it just goes to show you like how big the song was. Yeah, yeah. It's like crazy that there was a Viewmaster set based on a music video. Amazing song, amazing video. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You had something to do with it. Oh, I think I had a lot to do with it. (laughs) That was my final pick. What's yours? Here's my wild card pick, Matt. God, what the fuck would you put in for a wild card? Number 13. And that was the Fright Song from Monster High. (laughs) Come (laughs) on. So Monster High, the Mattel toy line Uh of the children of the Universal Monsters, like Frankie Stein and Draculaura. I am a collector, and I am not ashamed to admit it. Yeah, I I think collector is putting it mildly. (laughs) Like, we have had to talk you down off the ledge from buying $5,000 Monster High dolls from horror conventions. What do you think, guys? This sounds like a good deal. I'm looking at, like, a $2,300 price tag. I don't know, Jay. You sure you're going to have enough money left over to drink if you buy this $5,000 doll? (laughs) Do you think you need it? Well, I already have two. (laughs) It is true. You you did have to talk me down one time. Yeah. 
They have since came out with a, a second theme song, which is nowhere near as good. So if anyone is actually going to take the time to seek this out, um, there is a video and the video is amazing. I'm telling you, there's synchronized zombie dancing and they're all dressed up as different monsters. And it's directed by Nigel Dick, who is responsible for some of the greatest music videos of all time. Wait a minute. So wait, is this music video like CG characters or live actors? What is it? It's actually live action girls and guys dressed up not exactly as the Monster High characters, but in the vein of. You could sort of like say, okay, well, this one's obviously right, supposed I'm, to be Frankenstein. Yeah. What's the name of the song? It's called The Fright Song. And it's the music video for the original Monster High theme song. Okay. Let's see if you're overselling it. No, it's it's really cool. I'll tell you if I agree after this 30-second Hulu ad finishes up. <laughs> Fucking YouTube. <laughs> it almost looks like a gothic Britney Spears video yes. mixed, mixed with a Count Chocula commercial. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. The song itself is total, like, late 90s, like, Britney Spears mixed with Gwen Stefani and Pussycat Dolls all mixed in. I can't believe how popular this franchise is and for how long it's been popular now. It's crazy. They were supposed to come out with a, a full-on movie for a while. Just, yeah. I don't know what the hell happened but to like, it. I remember when it debuted, it just felt like a kind of just here-and-gone Bratz ripoff, and now it's completely overtaken everything. It was originally owned by Universal, meaning like they had the sanction to say, you know, Dracula, like, Dracula's yeah, daughter, or Frankenstein, yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. Well, an interesting pick. Yeah, oh, thanks. That was my little wild card pick. Yeah, I don't know if I would have followed up Thriller with Monster High, but you know, teach his own. <laughs> I just love the part where they they spell out monster. Let me see if that happens, or if you're making it up. M O N S T E R. Oh God! Yeah, I found it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> GJ. Why do you like that scene? <laughs> so there you go. Another thirteen spooky songs to improve your Halloween playlist. Yeah, and if you take all the ones that you heard in this episode and all the ones that you heard in the last songs episode we did and sandwich them together, you have this freakishly good Halloween playlist. So this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. M-O-N-S-T-E-R. M-O-G. P-U-R-P-L-E. Stuff. No, that's not our theme song. We're not doing a cheer version of Purple Stuff. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast. 